Help. Help. I need help. I'm asking for your help. It's a four-letter word that so many of us women find impossible to force past our lips because along with that word, we get so many other far more negative terms that come with it, like weak, shame, incompetent, or God forbid, the dreaded needy. But in an age where we're more educated than ever before about the benefits of looking after ourselves mentally, physically, and emotionally, and also the benefits that are available to help us achieve that goal, why are we so afraid to put up our hand and use the H word? And that's this week as we discuss how to be okay with asking for help. How to be. How to be. How to be. Welcome to How to Be. It's the podcast series where we answer the questions that curious women ask. I'm your host, Tiffany Dunk, and today I'm joined by Ashley Allen, a mum of one who, after suffering through postnatal depression, is now a champion for National Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Support Service, Panda. Hi, Ashley. Hi. And also we have with us today corporate psychologist, Stephanie. Stephanie has some amazing insights for us into the rise of depression, stress and anxiety in female small business owners who are very reluctant to speak up and ask for help. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Tiffany. Ashley, let's start with you. You've had a really personal journey with asking for help, you know, uttering the dreaded H word. Can you tell us about your story? Uh, so in the last few months of my pregnancy, I started to experience symptoms of anxiety and depression. Uh, I had a lot going on in my life. Uh, I was finishing up studying before my daughter was born. I was starting to have issues in my marriage. Um, but I think one of the biggest things too was that the reality was starting to set in, like actually in a few weeks' time I'm going to be a mother and be holding a baby. Uh, and so um, – and I'm not the kind of person that likes to learn on the job. But the way I manage my anxiety is to be prepared and I was really starting to realise actually I don't think I am prepared for this. Uh, so I went into her birth quite anxious and um, and quite fearful of, of what it was all going to be like. Um, so – my daughter's birth was quite traumatic. Uh, and from the moment she arrived, I knew something wasn't right, but I thought it was me. Mm-hmm. I thought I've made a huge mistake. I can't be a mother. Nothing, nothing was what I expected. Nothing was how I expected mm-hmm. to feel. Um, but in the hospital in those early days, I was just, too scared to even voice those thoughts. So why were you so hesitant to voice those feelings? Uh, I was ashamed um, and really frightened of what it meant to say, actually, I have no idea what to do. I feel completely wrong. I think I've made a mistake I don't know how to be a mother or look after a baby. Um, so, yeah, and um, that, that was the biggest reason why I didn't want to basically admit what I was feeling because I thought it was just so wrong. Um, yeah, so how did your state of mind that you were experiencing at that time, how did that impact on raising your daughter in those first those first days of her life? Like, how did it impact on you settling in with her? Uh, well, I didn't settle in. Um, I felt like I didn't 
bond with her, I thought, um, and this is all part of the illness that is postnatal depression and anxiety. I know that now. But at the time, I thought I didn't love her, I didn't want her, and that basically made me a monster because uh, this is my baby. Um, and I, uh, as I became more and more mentally ill, uh, I just felt so disconnected. Everything felt wrong and I couldn't think clearly. And I kept thinking to myself, when I can think clearly, I'll be able to understand what's going on. But mm. that never happened. Yeah. So how long did you let this go on before you eventually spoke out and did ask someone for help? Um, I think it would have been a good sort of six to eight weeks before I spoke to my parents. They were the first people that I opened up to Mm -hmm. because up until that point, I was just so afraid of what it would mean to Mm -hmm. admit, like, I just thought my life's over. Like, I've had a baby, but I can't be a mother. And if I say that this is what's going on, what does that mean for the future and for my life and for my daughter's life? So I think, yeah, for a good sort of two months, I just tried to hide it. And um, when I did finally speak up to my parents, um, I mean, they were they were kind of as lost as I was. Mm. They were absolutely loving and supportive, but they didn't know what to do either. Yeah, right. That's interesting. So what were the next steps then in your in your quest for getting help? So the first real step I took was to call the Panda National Helpline. Mm-hmm. And I found that massively helpful because to speak to a professional on the end of a phone line and to just be able to be absolutely honest about what I was thinking. That was the first time that I really articulated how dark the thoughts were and the place that I was really in. And to have someone that's a professional sit there and say, that's okay, this is an illness, this is not you. Mm-hmm. And there are thousands of women that have felt and thought and said these things and you can get treatment and you will get better. Mm. That was the first step. Mm-hmm. Um, and they provided me with some resources. And, I mean, my uh, treatment journey was um, still there was quite a bit to come with that. But just to be able to say how I was feeling and have someone say that it's okay yeah. was just a that, huge wave, yeah, I can it was, imagine. Yeah, the first sort of parting of the clouds for me. Yeah. So how long until you started f- to feel the benefits? Was it that instant that you, you started feeling the benefit? Definitely that first instance of opening up um, put me on the way to recovery. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I uh, ended up... Uh, still deteriorating after that and seeking more intensive help. Um, so I ended up under the care of a psychiatrist um, in the public hospital system and I was prescribed medication and one-to-one therapy. So by the time my daughter was six months old, with all of that intervention, that was for me what I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, by the time she was six months old, I really started to recognize that I was going to get better and that uh, there was a way way wow. through. Yeah. 
you know, it's it's something that obviously doesn't hasn't just affected you. There's one in seven new mums who feel like this, which is just a staggering figure. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you have for other women who may find themselves in these circumstances? Oh, there's so much <laughs> I want to say, but starting with a huge hug. But um, And I mean, this is the reason why I wanted to become part of the Panda um, Community Champions Program mm-hmm. is just to say, like, you're not alone. It's not you. It is an illness that is diagnosable and treatable and ask for help as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Your mental health is crucial it's the best thing you can do for your child or children is to get your mental health right Uh, and there is so much help and support out there and there is so much treatment um that you can access and you don't know where the help that you need is going to come from so talk to everyone anyone that Mm -hmm. you can that you feel comfortable to speak to Mm -hmm. um because you don't know who is going to be reaching out the hand that you need sure you've obviously come out the other side how are you finding being a mum now the love that I have for my daughter is just indescribable and I I do say too that I don't entirely regret the experience that I've had because I think that the relationship that I have with her mm-hmm. now is in some ways so much more than it would have been like and I would say that to other mothers too if you go through this you will know yourself so much better you will recognize strengths that you didn't know that you had and you will be stronger for going through this mm-hmm. uh, but don't suffer needlessly yeah fantastic yeah. I guess if you could have your time back again are there any other other ways you think maybe I could have asked for help here because you're saying in those early days you were just so nervous of asking for help are there other places that in hindsight you know now you could have gone that you could recommend for others yeah I think this really goes hand in hand with just raising awareness of perinatal mental health Uh, if I had have been able to know that it wasn't me, that it was an illness, and that the sooner I ask for help, the better. Mm -hmm. So I just think, yeah, if we can um, reduce the stigma and not feel ashamed, don't think that this says that you're a failure or you're a bad person. Mm -hmm. Um, If I knew from the start to say, like, no, this isn't right, I don't feel right, I need help from the earlier, like from day one, mm-hmm. um, that would have made such a difference. The earlier you can get help, the better. Great. Oh, thank you so much, Ashley, for sharing your story. How to be. How to be. How to be. Stephanie, having heard Ashley's story, can you tell us why it is that so many women struggled so much with being vulnerable and not just at home, but in the workplace in all areas of our lives? Perhaps the modern woman has a a view that she should be able to do everything, have everything, uh, be everything, Um, and therefore to struggle with one aspect of life may counter her own view of herself and what she's capable of. Mm -hmm. So is this a recent trend that you're seeing? Is it worse now or is it something that women have traditionally struggled with? I think in different forms, women have traditionally struggled. There are some gender differences that are not um, fashionable to speak about, but there are slight gender differences in some forms of um, emotional vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just evolved into a, a different state, I think, with a modern woman being a working woman and a mother and so many things. Yeah, so many things to so many people. You've recently been 
involved with a research project that the Bank of Queensland commissioned. And it had some figures which showed that while one in 10 female small business owners struggled with depression, anxiety, stress, um, only a third are likely to talk to somebody about this. That's right. Yes. Well, the Bank of Queensland commissioned that research because they were interested in um, their own observations of people running small businesses really mm-hmm. struggling. And I've been talking to them about that in various capacities. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, women is more than a third who would say that they were unlikely to speak up to anybody. And I would say actually that it was worse in the men. It was worse in yes, men. Yes, the, the male group were even less likely to speak up. So, huh. but yes, the fit, the women were, um, uh, reluctant to speak in, uh, more than one in three cases. Wow. What were the reasons they gave for this unlikely or unwillingness to speak up? The reasons I know across the group, so across mm-hmm. both genders were things like not wanting to trouble their family, mm-hmm. uh, not wanting to appear, um, weak mm-hmm. in some way. Obviously, this research is around women who own businesses. Is this a trickle down as well with other women in the workplace, whether it be in a senior position or a position where you have some kind of responsibility? Have you seen that in your work? I've certainly seen that, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, particularly o- among women who have that very, very diligent personality mm-hmm. and they try really hard. The pressures are slightly different in business owning women just because the nature of owning a business is different from being an employee. Mm-hmm. Um, but the results are quite similar. So things like fatigue and overworking and distance from family. So what else, Stephanie, did your research find? There was a surprising number, and it surprised me, I have to say, a surprising number who were diagnosed with something quite significant, like a depression or anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I had been of the expectation that my sample that I encounter was completely a biased sample because, of course, they turn up with me when there is an issue like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems that uh, there is this very large number out there who experience um, those effects as a direct result of their working life. Yeah. So you say that people are very, you know, so many people are very unwilling to ask for help. Mm. What are the practical tools you can give us about, you know, if you're feeling a little overwhelmed, how is the best way to start putting into place those steps to getting help? Talk to somebody, anybody, um, Mm -hmm. whoever you think is the most approachable person in your sphere, really. And that might be a spouse or a friend or a colleague, um, or it might have to be uh, direct to the professional. Mm-hmm. Um, in some cases, I've had spouses of uh, a business owner, for example, make contact with me on their behalf, um, which is very nice. Because when people, uh, it's also a case actually of watching colleagues and um, and friends who, because when a person gets to a low enough state it's difficult for them actually to pull themselves up and Mm -hmm. say, hey, I'm going to make a very constructive phone call and do something very proactive and sensible for myself because they're too far down. And so um, a a bit of a buddy system and hand-holding by friends and colleagues is a very valuable uh, contribution. Absolutely. I think there's a real feeling amongst women in particular that, you know, you think this too will pass. You know, you're you're Mm. taught to think that, oh, it's okay, just ride it out. Um, Why do you think or why should people not think that that's the best way to always handle things or how do you break mm. that perception down? Yes, the old philosophy, keep keep doing what I'm doing and yeah. something changes. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes. It, well, it, it isn't really very logical. Um, I think women are used to going through so many different 
cycles in life, biological and um, circumstantial, mm -hmm. that yes, everything does change eventually. But if you've fallen into a, a, a serious rut, um, it can be self-reinforcing because negative thoughts breed negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. Or perhaps another thing that happens in the modern world is poor nutrition, nutrition that disadvantages the nervous system. And when you get into that state, you can't think straight either. Mm -hmm. You're unlikely to think, goodness, I should go and buy myself some turkey and broccoli and you know, be sensible. <laughs> yeah. I think I'd rather have this bag of lollies. Yeah. Sure. So it's actually looking for help from yourself as well. It's not just asking for external help, but giving yourself that kind of help too. Yes, it is. Though external really helps to mm. um, reflect on the situation rationally. Mm -hmm. So what sort of advice do you give for people when you say, you know, to sort of seek professional help? What are some good places to perhaps look for that? Well, depending on your situation, if it's, if you're not too far gone, and it seems like you're perhaps you're just doing a bit of maintenance, then maybe a counsellor yeah. might do the job. If you suspect or others close to you suspect that something's really quite wrong, your mood is really crashed mm -hmm. or you're anxious in a way that's very visceral and very uncomfortable, then a psychologist may be appropriate. Occasionally it may be to the extent of a psychiatrist, but not, not often. Mm -hmm. It might be a more serious situation where medication is actually required, but ordinarily um, there's a lot that a psychologist can do. So many avenues you can go via your doctor. Yeah. If you don't want to do that, some people, interestingly, it's a minority, but some don't like to have the mental health care referral um, done formally, and they can go directly, they can go in privately to a, a psychologist if they're choosing. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't know you could do that. Yes. Right. So obviously you specialize in business, that's your, yes. your field, but what other sort of areas do you think women need to be more proactive in asking for help in, just based on the people that you speak with? Home relationships, perhaps. Um, that, that's a common topic, I would say, that people that come to me, but their relationships at home can have a big impact on how they feel across the board. Oh, there are so many things. I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> of my clients, actually, and there are, there are many who um, struggle with situations at work, with politics and trickier relationships at work. Mm -hmm. um, and that's always worth uh, speaking to somebody about. Well, obviously, we spend so many hours of our day at work. It becomes quite often the place we spend more time than at home. So the relationships we form there obviously can have a huge impact on our mental and emotional health. Is that something that you, you find? Oh, very much so, yes, yes. And um, many crises of confidence have mm -hmm. come from the workplace. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, what, assuming that someone has gone out and they've asked for help, they've made this very first step, yes. what are some of the benefits you see in people who have made that step? Like what do your clients report back once they've started working with mm. you? Um, relief, um, <laughs> quite quick relief. Uh, I'm very much a problem solver. Um, I'm not really a forehead stroker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't lie on a couch. It's much more of a problem solving approach. And so I think there's relief that there is uh, an end in sight because mm -hmm. we make a bit of a plan and we say what it is that you want to achieve, what's getting in the way of that. All right. These are our topics that we're going to, we're going to fill in the how to part mm -hmm. because that's often the bit that's missing. I find so many women, they know what they should be doing and they keep admonishing themselves about what they should be doing but the how to do that is the only bit that's missing so that's what we work on thank you both so much for being a part of the podcast i've really enjoyed it and i hope you have too thank you and i'd just like to add if this podcast has triggered anything for you at home or if you're feeling like you're in need of help a great 24-hour resource is lifeline their number is 13 11 14 that's 13 11 14 
Thanks for listening. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts and feel free to subscribe too.